This podcast is brought to you by The Empowerment Project. It's for kids and all the trusted adults who love them and want them to stay safe, empowered, and thriving. My name is Sylvia Smart, and I've been teaching martial arts and self-defense to kids since, well, well, probably kids, since your parents were very little kids, maybe even before they were born. Yep, I'm pretty old, but only on the outside. I totally remember what it's like to be a kid. Kids, we're going to talk with other kids and hear how they powered up and stayed safe when things happened to them that felt weird or icky, things they'd never had to deal with before, things that maybe even felt creepy or scary. They're gonna tell us what happened and what they did to protect themselves. Having a podcast just for you is a great way to learn this stuff, and I am so glad you're here. And trusted adults, We're going to empower you to have conversations about this stuff with your children as they grow and learn and practice these very essential life skills. Sometimes we'll talk with other parents too. All of this is going to be age appropriate with my end game being protecting kids and keeping them safe. I want to empower your kiddos to use their voices, to set their own boundaries, and to talk to you and tell you anytime something happens that makes them feel uncomfortable. Research proves that self-defense training makes you safer, period. Ultimately, I'm gonna want you to get some in-person physical training, but a great kid self-defense class is so much more than just the physical skills. I'm really glad you're here. I've been doing this stuff for a really long time, and I wanna teach you everything I know. It's time to power up. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. We have a guest with us today, Amelia. Amelia is a grown-up now, but I asked her if she'd be willing to share a story with us about something that happened to her when she was a kid, and she said she would. So lucky us. Here she is. Welcome, Amelia. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Really glad you're here. Can you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name's Amelia. I am 23 now. I am living in New York City, but I'm originally from Beaverton, Oregon, and I work in the theater field now. Nice. And full disclosure, Amelia... How do we know each other? <laughs> you are my mom. <laughs> um, so you know me and also this story pretty well. You have a, a unique perspective on it. <laughs> I do. I have the I have the unique perspective of being your mom and having lived through this from my piece uh, with you. And in fact, this is a story that I have told in my self-defense classes, my kids' self-defense classes, because it illustrates so many things about this process, about how we protect ourselves and stay safe. And so hearing it from you firsthand is way better than me telling it. So um, kids, Amelia and I talked about this story when we were getting ready for this interview, and we, we both kind of remembered different things about it. I remembered things from my perspective as a mom and Amelia remembered things from her perspective as the kid who was actually having to go through it and deal with this. But 
let's listen to Amelia tell us her story. I'm going to play the role of the self-defense teacher mom person. And uh, Amelia, I'm going to ask you questions and ask you for some more details. And between the two of us, we're going to show our listeners a bunch of tools that they can use for their own self-defense toolkit. Sound awesome. good? That, sound, that sounds great. Okay, cool. So Amelia, I'm really excited. Tell us your story. Start at the beginning. Like, how old were you? What grade were you in? What happened? Yeah, so this story, I was in fifth grade. So I was probably about 10 years old. And I was at school. I had a really great fifth grade teacher. um, But the day in question, we had guest instructors in the classroom teaching some kind of science class. And we were split up into groups. So I was, I was working with a group kind of at my, uh, at our tables and our teacher wasn't in the room. Um, and we were working on a group project and one of the the boys in my group was not really participating in our group project. And I got a little frustrated and I, you know, told him that he needed to kind of pull his weight and help out. And he pulled out a a pair of scissors from his desk and like opened them and turned to me and said, I'm going to cut your throat with these scissors if you don't leave me alone. Wow. And that freaked me out a lot. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So so stop here for just a second and like when you say that freaked you out a lot of like, yeah, um, that's really scary. Can you remember what was happening in your body? Like how did you know you were freaking out? Yeah. So I felt my face get really red and get really hot. My stomach felt kind of queasy and my heart started beating really fast. And I just kind of felt frozen. Like I didn't know what to do in that moment. Yeah. And that's a very typical reaction. And in fact, we just talked about this in the previous episode about our bodies Because when our bodies are telling us like something's wrong and our brains are having a hard time figuring out what's happening or we can't quite believe it's happening, then our bodies don't know what to do and we freeze like a frozen little statue. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of that. So you were kind of frozen and then what happened or what did you do or what happened next? Yeah, so I don't really remember what happened the rest of that class. It was a very long time ago now. So I don't, I don't remember exactly what I did next. I think I probably just kind of went back to the project and ignored him um, and tried to pretend that it, it hadn't happened. Um, but after that, I um, went to lunch and I was sitting with my friends at lunch in the kind of cafeteria and I told them what happened and a lot of my friends who were girls said oh yeah 
he's been bullying me. He's been saying mean things to me. He's been threatening me. Or, you know, multiple of my friends had had experiences with this same kid where he was being really mean to them or really scaring them. And none of them, I guess, had told anyone about it. They hadn't told a teacher. It sounded like they hadn't told their parents. I felt like I needed to talk to the teacher about what had happened. And they really encouraged me to go talk to her when I said that I was willing to do that. So I walked up to her and I kind of told her the situation that had happened. I was nervous to talk to her because part of me felt like because I had said something to him right before he threatened me that I had, because I had said, you know, told him that he needed to participate in the group project, that it was, it was my fault that he threatened me that somehow I had, had, I deserved that, or I had caused that when like, I know now that was absolutely not, um, an acceptable response to threaten violence against someone, even if he wasn't happy with what I had said to him, but I was nervous to talk about it because I felt like it was my fault. Right. And so for the kids who are listening, I, I just want to say thanks, Amelia, for mentioning that part, because it's a very common response that when we're in a position where it feels scary, sometimes our first response is to think that we did something wrong. And your example is so great. You did nothing wrong. You were just saying how you felt and you were, you know, just speaking up. And yes, that was not an acceptable response. But on his part. So mm-hmm. thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I also think like the fact that I talked to my friends about it and they had had similar experiences with him did make me feel better because I knew that it was not an isolated incident. And that made me feel kind of empowered to talk about it because it wasn't just, you know, my word against his. It was a lot of people saying that there was a real, a real issue here. So um I was glad I talked to my friends about it. Um can I interrupt you here? Yeah. Um, because this is another really important point that you're bringing up, which is that part of our self-defense toolkit is talking about mm-hmm. things that happen to us and telling other people when something has happened that has made us feel scared or icky or weird. Because in telling other people, we, like Amelia, we find out that, yeah, other people are having the same experience or, you know, other great things can happen from doing that. Like we can figure out how to make ourselves safer or someone else can step in like an adult, a trusted adult and help us stay safer. But it's really important. It's an important tool to tell, to tell when something's happening. It's so great that you knew to do that. Yeah, I think in so many times in my life since then, I have, if I've been in a situation where someone has made me feel uncomfortable or someone has been mean to me or, uh, yeah, made me feel weird or bad, when I have shared that feeling with other people, they've been like, oh, yes, and kind of affirmed that and have had similar experiences. Uh, So, yeah, I was really glad that I talked to my friends about it. Yeah, because that can make you feel better. Like, I'm not alone. 
Yeah. And then they can also be like, no, no, you're not. And mm-hmm. then also you could hear like your friend says, well, here's what I did or here's what I didn't do. And you could talk about it and you can decide which adult feels safe to go tell or whatever. But you're talking about it. Oh, yeah. boy. Big, big yeah. tool for your toolkit, kids. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, so that really helped me feel confident enough to go and talk to my teacher. And I actually didn't remember exactly what happened after I talked to her until I talked to my mom and kind of heard her recollection of it, which um, kind of brought back some of my memories, which was that after I spoke with my teacher, she sent me and the and the kid who had threatened me to the counselor's office together. Um, so like you're walking down the hallway alone with this kid. Yeah. Who had like threatened to kill me. Um, oh my God. How, how did that feel? Not good. Definitely not good. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, I will say like, I don't, I grew up training martial arts and taking self-defense classes. I didn't, necessarily feel that my safety, my physical safety was in danger. I knew that I could defend myself. I, yeah, I knew I could defend myself physically, but it was still very uncomfortable to be alone with someone who threatened to hurt me. Well, and who you had told on. Yeah, who, who knew, knew that you told on Exactly. Yeah, who was very aware that I had told the teacher, which is, you know, kind of frowned upon, I would say. Like when you're young, that can be kind of seen as a bad thing when really it's not if someone does something that's dangerous. <laughs> right. And so a little interjection here for the adults who are listening. Remember this part of Amelia's story. And don't put kids in this position where they're alone with this person who has threatened them, who they've told upon, because it's unnecessarily really uncomfortable and scary. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Well, and then I had to go into the office with a, with a counselor. I, I had by fifth grade, I had somewhat of a relationship with the principal at my elementary school, but she wasn't there that day. So it was me and this kid and the school counselor who I don't even remember. I don't know that I ever had a relationship with them. And kind of like a he said, she said moment where we both had to just tell our story, um, which could be an appropriate response depending on the situation. But I think when there's like a threat of physical violence, that seems totally inappropriate to put those two kids in a room together and have them just talk it out. Uh, without any kind of intervention first, like to make sure that no one's in danger. Yeah. And then we went back to the classroom and the counselor kind of brought up the situation in front of the entire class, which I, I don't, I don't really remember. I guess I had, I told my mom that that happened later. So I don't exactly remember that moment. Um, But what I do remember is that when we kind of continued, when I can kind of 
continued talking about this situation because the, the situation continued to ex- escalate after this. But when I talked about it with other students, um, a lot of the boys in the class kind of blamed me, thought I was overreacting, thought I was being overdramatic, um, teased me. But a lot of the girls in the class were really grateful that I had said something. And even more girls than my immediate friend group had had situations with this boy where he was very mean to them, where he made them feel unsafe. So I didn't really appreciate that the counselor talked about it in front of the whole class. I think that was probably really embarrassing um, and didn't probably feel very good. But I am glad that the conversation was started within the class because it was not just me and not just my friends that had experienced things with that kid. Exactly. You were speaking up on behalf of a lot of people. Yeah. And what I remember about that when you were telling me this that afternoon after school was that like the counselor heard both your sides. And of course, this happens all the time. You were like, you know, you pulled out a a pair of scissors at me and you told me you were going to kill me. And of course, what does the kid say? No, I didn't. Because that's what you always say when you're accused of doing something that you know is wrong, right? You're trying to cover for yourself. So he was going back and forth. He finally said that he'd done that. But he said to you, well, you threatened me first. (laughs) And I remember thinking, what? You're so much bigger than she is. But anyway, so then I also remember that so the, the counselor walked you two down to the classroom and And said in front of everybody, like these, you know, I understand that there are people in this classroom that feel threatened and, and I want to make sure that no one feels threatened in this classroom and that if you do that, you come talk to us. And I remember you telling me very clearly, but I did talk to him and nothing happened. (laughs) Like I did go to the counselor, but nothing was resolved. So I remember that sort of confusion on your part, like, why should we tell you? Because you're not going to do anything to make it better. So anyway, that's something that I remember from the mom perspective. Mm -hmm. So then what? Then you come home. Yes. So I came home and told my mom what had happened and what hadn't happened, which was uh, like consequences. (laughs) And also told her that other girls in my class were having a similar experience with this kid, which hadn't really come up because I think I didn't necessarily want to tell their story to the counselor since I hadn't experienced that. Um, Right. And then I don't know. I mean, do you want to pick up the story from there from your perspective? Because then kind of you took action. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember the first thing I said to you was, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you told me. And, um, and then we just, we talked about it and I, um, I don't, I don't remember exactly our conversation, but I, I asked you permission if I could call the, there were two girls specifically that you, I think that when you spoke, up at lunch and you told your two girlfriends or two of your girlfriends said, Oh, that happened to me too. 
um, and that they had not told anybody, I asked for your permission to call their moms and you thought that would be okay. So I did. I called both moms and um, yeah, neither one knew that this had been going on. And in both cases, they were like, oh my gosh, that explains so much because my daughter has been coming home and she comes off the school bus bus and she's like crying or she's really anxious and she doesn't want to go to Mm -hmm. school. And so that just, I think that, and then I also called the principal and I asked your permission. I called the principal who was back after, I guess she'd been away at a conference all day, but she was back in the building and she happened to be there. And I said, Hey, you know, we need to talk. This is what happened. This is everything I know. Um, This is what didn't happen. This is what I feel as a self-defense teacher did not happen right. This is my expectation about what you're going to do about this. And, you know, I I want you to swing back around with me and confirm that you understand and that something is going on. And sure enough, why don't you pick it up from there? Because I think the next day, things started to happen. Yeah. So I ended up back in the big conference room at the school with, I think, the counselor and the principal and a whole bunch of girls, more than just, yeah, my initial, the initial girls that had, that were my friends that I had talked to, um, to, discuss the situation further and it I don't remember if the the boy was there again in that meeting um but I do remember lots of different girls having lots of different stories about how he had treated them uh mean things he had sent to them times he had made them feel unsafe and I think it was really brave for everyone to speak up, especially because of how kind of weirdly and poorly and embarrassingly it was handled when I spoke up. Right. Um, But I think one thing that helped was that there was a lot of girls speaking up together. You know, we all were kind of, in it together, we knew that we were going to, we weren't alone in that room. Um, and, you know, because I had said something first, there was sort of a precedent that I think probably made people feel a little more comfortable. All of that kind of came forward. And ultimately what happened was he was suspended for a couple days Um, and what I remember hearing from some of his friends, some of the boys in the class was, oh, he's just at home hanging out. Yeah. He's been playing video games all day. It sounds awesome. His parents aren't getting him in trouble at all. He just basically gets some days off of school. This is ridiculous. Um, they kind of thought it was pretty cool actually that he got to stay home from school. And can I interject something here? Yeah. Because this is also a story of privilege. Oh yeah. That 
kid, um, mm-hmm. had parents who were very involved in the school, gave money, mm-hmm. volunteered to raise money, and they had some power in in that dynamic at that school. Yes. And I can't help but think that the lack of consequences, like, yeah, he got some consequences, but the lack of consequences had a lot to do with, I'm going to just say it, the color of his skin and the amount of money and prestige the family had in that school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it would be a completely different story if one of if me, if one of us in that situation was not white, like we were both white students from like relatively well-off families, it would be a completely different story if the like racial or class dynamics were different in that situation. But I absolutely think you're right. Um, That's very true. And yeah, the fact that he got to just stay home and play video games was really based on his family. And there, there was nothing that I or you or the school could have done about that. His family decided that that wasn't important to them. I think the fact that his family didn't see that behavior as worthy of consequences reveals why he was doing that sort of thing in the first place. Right. Their values, the values of that family. Yeah. 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 And in fact, the mom um, kind of came up to me the next week at the science fair and like just totally stepped into my space and said and looked at me kind of challengingly and said, I want you to know that my son is not angry with Amelia. <laughs> I was like, good, because he better not be. <laughs> You know, and I forget what I said, but it was like, you know, get out of my face because your son is the one who did something wrong here, not my daughter. Uh, Anyway, um, so all that aside, uh, any takeaways or, you know, do you want to how do you want to wrap this up, this story? So one takeaway was that telling on someone is really hard. It's really scary. It's something that I think you are told that you're not supposed to do when you're a kid. Um, but it ended up being really important that I did that. And I'm really glad that I did. I'm really glad that I told my friends because they gave me the courage to keep telling other people I'm glad that I told my teacher because she was in a position to do something about it. And I'm really glad that I told my mom because when the other adults didn't really do enough about it, she kept pushing. (laughs) And then she told other adults for me and collectively they made something happen to make things better. So I, yeah, I really feel like my job in that situation was just to tell people and that's what I did. And that's how something changed and the situation got a little better. Yeah. And that takes courage and you Mm -hmm. had that courage and, and, and the cool thing about these 
especially, you know, these self-defense success stories, I call them your success story is that not only by speaking up, not only did you make yourself safer, but you were able to make everyone else safer. Mm -hmm. And that is really cool. Yeah, it did feel like it had an impact on a lot of people in my class, mostly the girls, but um, it did have an impact, I think. Um, And I would say the other reason that I'm really glad I told my mom is because now as an adult, like it's when you grow up, you don't always remember everything that happened to you in elementary school or middle school. It's like you just forget things as you grow up. Um, So the fact that I told my mom what happened, she can kind of hold on to those memories. Because even now, sometimes I still feel like, well, maybe that was my fault. And I'm really glad that I told my mom and she kind of has those memories to say, no, no, I remember what happened. (laughs) Um, It wasn't your fault. And that's really good. Like, that's just, I'm, I'm glad that she kind of is holding on to that for me. (laughs) Totally. I'm your memory keeper. (laughs) Yeah. Like just a, like a, you can kind of check my, my, like my brain's worst instincts to just kind of make things my fault. (laughs) Right. These are the stories that we tell ourselves. Exactly. Um, Um, And, you know, the other thing I, as your mom um, and as a self-defense teacher, the fact that you were able to speak up and tell, even though you were afraid and ashamed and having all those feelings. Also, one thing I know is that it made it easier for you to do it the next time. Yeah. Because you had the experience of telling even though you were afraid and ashamed and embarrassed and all that. Mm -hmm. And you saw that because you did, things could change and become better. Mm -hmm. And so that fueled you, whether you remembered it or not, or not to be able to do it the next time and the next time and the next time and to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, because I know that parents listen to this, podcast as well, I'll say like, I felt like I could tell my teacher because I knew my mom would back me up and I knew my dad Mm. would back me up. Yeah. You know, I knew that even if I wasn't a hundred percent sure that my teacher was going to be on my side or going to support me, I knew that I did have adults who were going to support me and I knew I could tell my mom because I knew that she was going to back me up. And she made that very clear. I mean, you know, obviously she's a self-defense instructor. So I was taking classes with her my whole life where she was saying, you need to tell adults when things happen to you. Um, So it was super clear, but she did that in other ways too. And when I told her how she responded let me know that in the future when something happened, I could keep telling her because I trusted her to look out for me and um, do her best to make things better for me. So not only did I tell people generally in the future when bad things happened, I specifically felt empowered to keep telling my parents uh, because I knew that they would look out for me and handle things in a way that made me feel safe. That's awesome. And 
I was going to say one other thing uh, about that, which is, and even though you'd been getting that message from probably when you were in my belly, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like, tell, 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 speak up. It's okay. Your voice matters. You know, tell us your experience, even though you still had those feelings and it was still yeah. hard. Oh, yeah. So this does take courage. It takes yeah. a lot of courage. Well, and it's still it's still hard. Like it's still hard when I was working at a, at a theater, you know, when I was 20 and one of my coworkers said something really awful that made me feel terrible. I still, that like he should have been fired for, you know, I still didn't want to tell. I still felt scared to talk about it. Right. Um, so. But you did. Yeah. Because you have practiced. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so situations like that don't stop, but you just get better at handling them. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that you practice when you're a kid is, is really important. So great. Thank you so much, Amelia, for, sharing your story. Of course. I'm, I'm very happy to. It's a great, it's a great example of all the things, all the self-defense things. It's really, really good. So, um, so thanks for being here. Happy to share and I hope it helps. Me too. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's wrap up time. No kids' self-defense class is complete until we've shouted together about how amazing we are. So here's what I want you to do. First of all, make sure it's okay to shout and be loud. Like, make sure no one's on the phone or working from home or trying to take a nap. And by the way, if it's not an okay time to shout, that's all right, too. You can use a quiet voice or even a whisper. Works the same. I'm going to say something and I want you to repeat after me. Okay, so you figured out how loud you can be. Now, if you can, stand in a power pose with your feet planted about as wide apart as your shoulders are. If you can't stand up, sitting's fine too, but just feel your body connecting to the ground. And then do something that feels really powerful to you, like put your hands up in the air in a V for victory sign or make fists and put them on your hips or put both your hands on your heart. Okay. So do something that feels really powerful to you. Take a deep breath and repeat after me as loud as you can. Here we go. I am a strong and powerful kid. I have the right to say no. No means no. And one last time with my favorite. I am a strong and powerful kid. And then we say, yes. Yes, you rock. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Power Up Kids Self-Defense Podcast. I'll see you next time. And between now and then, stay safe and have fun. 
And for the adults, adults, I really appreciate that you're listening and sharing this podcast with your kiddos. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I do this work. I take on the expenses of this work because I think it's important. If you'd like to support me, I'd be most grateful. You can find links to my Buy Me a Coffee page or to my website podcast donation page in the episode description. Thanks for supporting this work. Let's do this. Let's make the world safer for all the kids. When you review this podcast and share it with your friends and family, that also helps spread the word. And I'd love it if you'd do that too. And by the way, if you or your kids have an experience or a story that you or they would be willing to share with me and our listeners, I'd love to hear it. This is how we learn from one another. Sharing and telling our stories is really powerful. It's a gift that we can give to others, and it's a path toward our own healing and empowerment. Anyway, connect with me if you've got something that you'd be willing to talk about sharing. There's a link in the episode description for how to do that. Take care and be safe.